Welcome to The Watering Hole, for coaches, by coaches, with coaching at the core. Fill your cup, join us, sit by the fire, and connect. We're on a mission to explore the water of wisdom, well-being, and we, the change makers. Coaching with a capital C. Coaching with a capital C. Coaching with a capital C. Hi, everyone. This is Megan with the Coach Collaborative. Uh, We wanted to say thank you so much for joining in to listen to this week's conversation about finding your coaching voice. It was a really wonderful conversation and it went a little long. So we wanted to let you know that we're splitting it into two parts, the first dropping today and the second coming next week. Thanks. Enjoy. Finding our coaching voice. Yeah, thinking about like the the path to finding your coaching voice or like the the journey or kind of like um what informed that process because I think as we all know like a lot of the training programs can be like these are the mechanics right but it doesn't necessarily feel embodied or feel you so I was thinking it would be interesting to talk about what that experience has been like because we were doing it without knowing it over the last Mm -hmm. 10 years. Yeah. We can just start with like the, the broad, but what does that mean? Like when you hear coaching voice, like what does that mean? What comes up? Well, for me, it's like, for me, what comes up when I hear coaching voice is I think about my own unique truth and my own unique strengths as a coach, kind of like how does my heart come through in coaching and what does that sound like? What does that feel like? Um, What kind of presence and style is uniquely my own when it comes to being a coach? Um, That's what comes up for me. How about you guys? Go, Lorraine. I love it. I love it. I, yeah, I, I think somewhat of the same um, is, yeah, just sort of your coaching voice is your own authentic style, your own authentic, you know, vibrational resonance um, that that's transmitted through, through what you're bringing to the space and, and verbally, non-verbally, um, from a heart space. Um, and so, you know, on the one hand, we can, we can learn and be taught and, and, you know, get, improve our skills and, and fill our toolbox of skills to, you know, utilize for, for working as a coach. Um, but on the other hand, the, I feel like your coaching voice is this, this aspect that, can't really be taught and can't really be put into a it's it's something you have to find and hone and um and trust like there's something about it too that comes up for me that also speaks to um your own authentic self your own intuition um that's the first first thing that comes up for me I don't know what do what do you think what do you think Megan 
I think it's, um, it is all of the things you're saying. And I think it's interesting to think about the path to finding it because I think at first coaching can almost be performative when you're trying to like be the persona of a coach or you're trying to be like the, the training in a lot of ways, or you're trying to be the like domain knowledge that you have. And I think that um, it's interesting to try to do everything right, right. To like check the boxes, to do all the things. And so you're almost trying to like, remember the steps of like a first session and then like, <laughs> this is how you do this. And so it's, it's, um, it's all trying to do well, but it's basically, it's like performative versus authentic mm. or intuitive. And I think that for me, um, like when I'm about to get into like working with a client or something, like it's a very specific part of my brain to access, mm -hmm. to get into that mode. And I think at first when I learned it, I was thinking of more of it. That's like the listening mode to try to get into and to think about like the responsiveness and everything. But I think that the coaching voice for me came with, um, I felt like I found it when I was no longer nervous about getting on a blind phone call. Mm. Right. Or I felt like I wasn't worried about like, and cause the first job that I had was kind of like a call center place. So you had scheduled calls, but people could just randomly call in and they would get pushed to your phone and, and that's how it would go. And so, um, coming out of my training program, like I felt like I, I didn't yet have that confidence. And so there was a time where it switched, where I was like, put me on the phone with anybody, right? Like, let me talk to anybody. And I know that I can do it. And I think that that's, it's um, both the listening side, but it's also the, like the coaching voice is the confidence to be able to hold mm -hmm. the space conversationally mm -hmm. and to be able to interact and engage with like a stranger, around really sensitive topics and to feel like you're in a flow in the conversation. It doesn't happen all the time, but I think that that's, that's, it's like a confidence thing that comes with it when you find your coaching voice. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also mm -hmm. hear like an integration in there that there's totally. some, there's some integration that happens from almost like going from a script to really embodying right? The experience. So um, I really resonate with what you were saying about how that gets developed, right? Um, sort of also reminds me of the idea of moving from feeling like a beginner, although we can embrace a growth mindset forever and ever, uh, but where we start to feel like we have a sense of confidence and mastery over our craft, right? Like, to embrace being the artist as a coach, as opposed to the sort of methodical coaching. Um, how, how do I become that authentic artist that is me, that represents an integration of all of this training, right? Um, and I also like, for me, I also think it developed as a part of uh, like, putting the pieces together of all the amazing people and models that I've had in coaching over my kind of eclectic experience, right? That could be like, well, all of the folks that I've um, learned from in the fitness industry and all of the great educators that I've come in contact mm -hmm. with in the world and all the great 
therapists and counselors and like the the spiritual healers and like all of these different sort of voices and how they manifest in terms of the helping professions we might call it or but to me like coaching has its own unique um its own unique voice in and of itself as a profession and then as an individual we bring like who we are into that and it's just it's a kind of cool artistic process to find ourselves like well who am I uniquely um and also who might I want to copycat like I can think of all kind of situations where I was copycatting you know other coaches I would hear someone in our call center environment, say something really amazing. And I would like borrow it. I would be like, I'm going to say that. I'm going to take that exact open-ended question and I'm going to make that part of my script for the week. Or, you know, so I think there's like really fine tuning that happens too. That's so fun because you get to borrow from each other and, and really learn what that feels like. And, and then tweak it and make it your own for sure and I think what's what's so interesting about that too is it totally is the integration like you're saying and I think that there's um there's a way in which we're always learning right like this is always we're always learning we're always improving it's not that one way works on everybody so you have to be able to be nimble and and you know dynamic in that way but I think that um part of what I was remembering with this is, and I'm curious for you both too, with training people or working with people who are fresher from their training, like the ways in which they haven't yet found their voice that then potentially helps you realize how you have found yours. And not that it's one person is better than the other, but I know for me, when I've mentored um, people in coach training programs or like mentoring them um, outside of the training program or afterwards, I notice a lot of nervousness of trying to think of the next open-ended question that's going to be like mind-blowing and amazing and like going to have all these light bulbs that come up with it. And it's almost that they're so much in their head and trying to think ahead that they're less present in holding the space. And to me, I think that the coaching voice comes a lot with like command is a weird word to use, but like the command of the space right and and meeting somebody in it and to be able to flow from that versus trying to think beyond into mm. like four or five questions down the line mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's I mean it's there's those are so many really great points um the confidence is really what I, I'm hearing kind of speak speak to what you're saying Megan and and really the art and the craft is what I'm hearing uh, with what you're saying Tracy and I I I I I feel like both there's so much to both of those um the confidence is the confidence to be in the dance right the confidence to 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 be in that flow with someone to not necessarily be leading, to not necessarily be following, to be really in that partnership dance with someone and to trust that, you know, you have enough ability to, to be there. Um, and if at some point you're not the right dance partner, <laughs> that that's okay too, you know? And, and so, and so when I think back to like, I don't know when I exactly feel like I found my coaching voice, but what you said, Megan does kind of remind me of like, there was a point when you're like, you're like, 
any client, like any conversation, like I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable enough and confident enough in my, in my voice and my skin, you know, as, as a practitioner that I will, I'll figure it out. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be in the dance with them and I'll quickly, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find our way. And if I can't find my way, you know, that's okay too. Um, and I remember even, you know, not, you know, not like to be within my scope. Like, and if it felt like I'm not really sure, I'm not really sure, maybe I'm not the right, you know, fit for you. Like, I'm the first one to say, if this isn't feeling like a fit for you, if this dance isn't feeling like a, like a flow, like there's other potential dance partners, there's other potential, you know, maybe it'll feel like a fit. And so I remember being the, like, I, I didn't have, I, I think it's almost like a drop of ego, you know, where to be in that space really have to, I had to sort of like let that drop, which is what I kind of hear you saying, Megan, is like sort of getting out of that headspace, dropping that and trusting that, you know, you've been using these, these muscles, you've been using these tools, you've been doing the things they're there and you may or may not use all of them, (laughs) one of them. Um, but you know, that you can stay within your lane. You can stay within the scope. You can hold that space And, and then that's where I feel like the art really happens, uh, Tracy, like, that's what I'm really feeling like that's, you know, if, you know, you, you, you might be like already have some natural artistic ability, but you can often get, you know, more training and skill set and learn from other people. And it just hones your skills and it makes you even that much more, you know, at your craft, at your art. And that's what I kind of feel like that voice comes from. It comes from when you start to feel that much more confident in your craft, confident in your art. And also there's no, there's no, um, maybe you do get me have a client where you do feel like you're, you're not sure how to support them and help them. And that that's okay too, right? Like you can be really like, like comfortable in speaking that forward and, and so not being afraid of that, um, just really being able to show up and like, this is what I have. This is where I, I can hold space and let's see where this goes and let's get curious together. And if at any point, this doesn't feel like a fit for either of us, or I'm not able to support where you're headed, like we're going to speak that forward. Um, so I think it almost goes into like, you know, Buddhist thinking, right? Like not attachment, but not detachment, like this, like this, like, um, that middle ground, right. Of, of holding a space of, of unattachment, right. And, and, and really, um, in there is where we can find our coaching voice. Um, and I, it's interesting. Yeah. When, when teaching or training folks, um, in this, it's hard. It's, I find it hard to like put words to it you know? So I find it hard to like, but what I, what I've noticed is that when people can hear their, their practice, hear their work, often they will start to notice when they're like, wait, that, that was when I was, I was feeling like I was in my, like I was in a zone and like everything sort of, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll describe it in different ways, right? Like whatever, like some people are visual. So, but like, I was really like, really feeling like I was partnering with the person and we were just flowing together. And so what I've, if people can start to remember or notice that's when they felt that way, what I usually like to get curious about is what was it 
right? What was it that was happening or what was it that felt differently in your body and your somatic, what was happening in your mind? What did you do differently to, 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 to go there? And then let's try and build off of that, right? Like, let's use that as your guide to be able to, to start to access that voice more often. Um, cause you know, I think all of us, no one, no one helped us find our, our, our coaching voice. Sink or swim. Sink or swim. And actually that's what I'm, I'm curious to ask you both too. Cause I know one thing we have in common is working in a call center environment mm-hmm. for high volume coaching, a lot, a lot of repetition, which is great to have a lot of options for repetition, but is also challenging when from a burnout perspective. But I think one of the things that's been really striking to me in 2020 is how it seems like all of a sudden, all of these other professions are learning that you can work effectively being virtual from your clients when that's mm-hmm. something that coaches have been doing for ever, basically, like so rarely is coaching actually done in person. Um, and since we all started telephonically without a visual I'm curious like what do you think how that helped you or what role did that play to only have the audio or in in gaining that confidence and being able to like thread the needle and holding the space and the dance yeah I think that's a I think that's such a great question because earlier when you were talking about kind of being um new to finding our voice as coaches, I can remember that so distinctly. I can remember that feeling so distinctly of not confidence, of being tied to a script or having things jotted down that I could reference, um, of being tied to a, a roadmap, uh, of, you know, having like external supports that I relied on heavily. And, and I have to say that in some ways, I'm super thankful that it was only audio because I was able to leverage all of those tools, right? Like nobody could see that I was frantically flipping through my binder to find, you know, what I wanted to reference in that moment, right? Nobody could see the look on my face of panic as I had no idea what to say next. Um, so it's, it's interesting to look back on that and see like what that felt like. And, and, and yet I'm also really grateful in some ways because I think about you know, many coaches that I know in, in terms of their expression of feeling like they're in a vacuum often um, as coaches, like not having that public display of your coaching being heard in like a call center environment like we have, like you could hear each other all the time. Um, You are very much publicly coaching in some ways with your colleagues. Um, I think there were many silver linings to that, although it felt very scary at times. Um, There were also like the idea of having calls pulled and randomly uh, have skill building sessions where we we were forced to hear ourselves coaching get audited. Um, and get audited. And I, I think there's something about, Laureen, what you were talking about around dropping ego, uh, around being able to move out of that space of self-consciousness that mm-hmm. actually allows us to be able to channel 
and become a voice really on behalf of the client that we're working with, as opposed to it really being our own voice in the mix, because that self-consciousness is what's going to keep us over here thinking about me when actually as a coach, I'm best serving if, if I'm not even, it's not even about me, right? Um, so being able to drop that ego and being able to, to move out of self-consciousness, I think is a huge shift to finding our coaching voice because then that flow really can happen. It mm-hmm. really becomes mm-hmm. about our client. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, there are benefits to audio because we can really just listen more deeply. We can, we don't have an image in front of us that we're looking at. We don't have as much distraction. Um, So in some ways, even though, you know, we could, we could talk about the challenges of those situations um, probably all day, but at the end of the day, I think just having audio was a benefit to being able to learn you know, how to drop mm-hmm. some of that self-consciousness. Yeah, I agree. I think that the, um, it's interesting to think back on it now because it, yeah, it was completely random if you had an open phone line and somebody's calling in and they're interested, it could just get pushed to you. And certainly we were in, you know, a pod. So you're hearing your colleagues coach. And if it's the random time that it's all quiet, everyone's listening to you. Right. Which is like, Mm -hmm. not that they're eavesdropping, but they can hear you. Um, Oh my gosh. So many times I remember Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) So it's it's like a vulnerability too, right. Mm -hmm. To be like, Oh shoot, I'm being listened to. And at the same time, I think for me, I remember always listening at first and like trying to have a little bit of like Um, you know, rapport building in the moment so I could read what I needed to read and kind of get them talking a little bit, but also like listening for accents, like listening for mood, listening for um, like fear, right? Like listening for in some ways, again, because a lot of this was like a corporate wellness base. So there'd be incentives, there would be biometrics, there would be a reason for people to be calling. Usually it wasn't just because they felt like taking on a new behavior change that day (laughs) or that month or that season. And so um, there was a lot of that listening. And I think like Tracy was saying, not having a visual for me, it allowed me to look down. And when I'm really listening, I'm looking down. Right. So Mm -hmm. I could, I didn't have to worry about my face. I didn't have to worry about like anything that they're reading on me, but it allowed me, especially because these calls are meant to be like 10, 15 minutes to look down at my desk <laughs> and to really be able to hear without the pressure of what I looked like in that moment, but I could really just focus on what I was saying and what I was responding based on what I was hearing. And so I think it was incredibly powerful to get to tone my ear by not having to worry about the, the visual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that concept of ear training. It reminds me of just, you know, musical training and listening and being able to embrace the improvisation. And like Lorene is saying, the dance, right? Mm-hmm. That that fine tuning of the ear is one way to dance with someone and to really deepen that experience and that process, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think the practice is the, the practice of 
high volume coaching or even just ongoing coaching is part of that integration too, that, you know, the mechanics and the performatives start to just become who we are, right? In the beginning, it feel it can feel different. It can feel uncomfortable. It can feel like it's new. And then as you practice more and more, it becomes more embodied and it can really be who you are. So the performative gets, gets kind of enfolded, right? As opposed to being this external thing that we're referencing, it actually just becomes who we are. And I totally. think it's important, like that's where the training is important. That's where continuing to do training and continuing to have skill building and continuing to get useful feedback right, um, is really important to be able to look at those connections and connect the dots to from the training and the performatives to that authenticity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so the finely tuned ear with, you know, working only on audio and just, you know, I, 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 I was totally not a believer. <laughs> I remember, I remember like thinking there's no way that I can do this work telephonically. Um, there's mm. just not going to be the same potency, the same juice. You know, I just, I, I was not a believer and what you both are speaking to is a lot of what, of what I really experienced. And um, it's like taking one of our, it's like taking one of our senses away. And then when you take one of your senses away, the other senses become more amplified. And, and what I found is not only did I develop a really finely tuned ear, especially like you're saying, Megan, with, with folks who, um, I mean, you had inbound and outbound clients. I mean, that's, that's intense. Um, you know, gratefully, uh, you know, I only was, you know, outbound, but, but, you know, not always intrinsically motive fo motivated folks, often extrinsically motivated. So, so not really fully on, you know, on board for creating uh, the kinds of changes that we know will, will ultimately be sustainable for them to achieve their goals. And so, I, I started to, to be able, like you're saying, Megan, like just sort of with, you know, there's this collective and, and you may be getting listened to, but knowing that any of these could be listened to anything, it's all fair game. And so learning to listen to my own work um, also tuned my ear to the craft, to my own craft. Uh, like I was saying, when, I, when I'm working with people, I've noticed that I actually started to be able to tell, I could tell within minutes of listening to one of my sessions, if I was low energy or not within minutes. And I, it wasn't like I had a huge gradient in terms of like, I showed up really like, you know, talking really slow, really like there, I didn't have a huge variation. Um, cause I'm fairly expressive and, 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 you know, but but I could tell, and, and often the other person listening was like, I can't even tell, like you sound, you sound like, you know, like Lorene, like coaching Lorene. And I, um, I could even, I could just, oh no. Yeah. I was feeling low energy. I was not on my game. Uh, you know, like, and, and so even in listening to myself, I could, I could hear the difference 
um, versus when I showed up full, like full battery, full, full, you know, full kilter, full presence. Um, and, and the same thing happened with clients within minutes, I started being able to hear or feel what they were feeling. Oh. Right. And like, and I could hear the, the most subtle things like I started to pick up on and, um, and Megan, when you talk about looking down at the desk, like I I've, I've talked to people, coaches who work telephonically where they'll even start to close their eyes because they're just really able to kind of just, it's like use that auditory sense. Um, and, and the here, call center with that too, you have to block out what's around you have to block you. out everything around listen. you. Yeah. You yeah. really have to listen. Um, and, and then for me, the big surprise that came from, from working in, you know, with only audio and coaching and doing this work was it actually allowed me to strengthen my sixth sense. And I never would have guessed that. Like I never would have, I did not go in thinking I'm going to, I'm going to become more intuitive in my, in my craft. I'm going to have a stronger sense of how to use my intuition and what that never would have guessed. And and so it doesn't surprise me though, you know, when you take one sense away, not only do other senses become, but then you often will get to know this other sense that can, can serve you. Right. Um, so that's, that's actually what, what I was so surprised. And to this day, you know, like you both are saying, you know, even, you know, right now, like every, anyone who listens to this doesn't know, but we're, we can see each other in this conversation. We're, you know, on zoom talking, um, and sometimes, you know, even with working with clients, you know, on Zoom, I, I can feel myself like I look down, you know, like I need to like sort of go into this place. Like I need to sort of just like tune out for a minute to, to feel into what I'm hearing and what I'm sensing in this, in this, in this dance and in this session to support them. Um, and, and, you know, I would probably, we each do it with each other, even in these conversations, you know, where we're just kind of for a moment need to kind of not be worried about what we're looking like, um, mm. to really, truly full bodied hear hear this person, you know, oh. to fully make this a client centered space, but then to also really, really connect into our voice, right. Into what we're going to put into this space, um, and, and not being able to worry about what I look like or what my face looks like can sometimes help me do that. <laughs> well, that's what I think is so great. And this is what uh, Tracy was saying too, with like taking off the performative is it doesn't, my ability to coach then doesn't matter if I'm wearing makeup or not. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what I'm wearing. It doesn't matter what my hair looks like. Like it's really not about me. It's dropping the ego, which so much of the time can be about appearance and like posture and all of these things. And so then to me, what that really helped with, like, like you're saying, Lorraine, too, of just dropping into that, because it does feel like dropping in in that way mm -hmm. is you have to get rid of your own distractions, whether that's like turning over your own phone, right, or tuning mm -hmm. out the people who are around you, and really just drop in to listen. And I think that when you don't have to worry about what you look like in doing that, then it really helps to build that in a different way to listen and to feel into it. Because I think that that's, again, part of what like, 
although most people are on Zoom now, but it's chuckle worthy to me when people realize you can be effective virtually because that's, and, and again, visual, when I gained visual in coaching, that was very different coming only mm-hmm. off of audio. I've done text-based mm-hmm. coaching for a long time too. So all you have is words, right? So it's, it's really interesting to, to think about the different senses and how they inform your coaching voice, mm-hmm. depending on what you have access to or eyes on, so to speak. <laughs> Air quotes. It's not only visual, right? It's it's sometimes it's just their voice. Sometimes it's just their words, and you're kind of like intuiting a lot along the way. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm really curious about this piece of, you know, is it important to be willing to get uncomfortable in order to find your coaching voice? Is it important to consider embracing more vulnerability to be Mm -hmm. able to find your coaching voice and you know Laureen when you said I wasn't a believer it totally it totally reminds me of you know Megan what you're saying is we're entering a time of telehealth and many people are having to consider the possibility that like is this going to work right? Where coaches have been in that space for so long. So it, it may be more comfortable, but at some point, right? At some point we had to get uncomfortable and whatever modality we were either beginning in or shifting gears and moving into. Um, and that's one thing I think that's really unique and beautiful about coaching and, and is that we get to work in a lot of different modalities right? We get to experience the process of coaching on any platform, any given platform. I mean, put me on an airplane and I'll coach somebody, right? I don't know. (laughs) But I think that that's part of what builds the confidence too. And again, I think what's unique is all of us were being audited, right? And I remember being in a team meeting where like, people from corporate were coming from out of state and they were going to do some like QA training and they didn't tell us whose call they were pulling for the whole entire meeting. And then all of a sudden the audio comes on and it's like health and wellness. This is Megan. And I was just like, Oh great. What call is this that we're pulling? Like, this is like, everyone's listening now, you know, but then again, like there is that discomfort in so many ways, both with like what your clients bring and what they want to talk about and where they're at. And then for yourself, in your own learning curve and around other people with that too. And to know that this is a field where you'll only ever be as good at it as you're willing to invest in it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it is all about getting uncomfortable and holding the unknown over and over and over again. Over and over and over. There's no, and there's, there's no, there's no ceiling. There's no, (laughs) there's no, there's no ceiling. There's no ceiling and there's no one path. There's no one path. Mm -mm. And I think that's one of the things that we have to continue to uh, really advocate for reminding ourselves as coaches is there is no one path. This formulaic idea is, you know, not it. It's, you know, it's when, when you, when I, when we break it down like this, it just doesn't sound as, um, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. It's, it's like you're signing up to do work that you're 
probably never going to master because it's not really possible to ever truly master. And you're signing up to do work that's going to require you to get vulnerable and uncomfortable Mm. over and over again. And, And you're even signing up to do work that is ultimately going to require that you make your self-care a priority and your per- like in, in order to continue to do well and be better at this work like that's also part of the part of the deal right and so as i'm listening I'm like huh would we would we have signed up for this like i know decade? i was <laughs> thinking i hope we're not scaring i hope we're not scaring new coaches away like <laughs> It's actually amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) And it's amazing. It is amazing. And this is what I think that I notice is that um, there's a hope, I think, from people coming out of coaching programs that they know it all. They can just go. They like. There's a hope that that training is enough to be able to go. And I think for a lot of people, even now having the national board exam, which is right a way to say or ICF, like you get whatever this credential is, and it says that you're at this level. Um, that still isn't like the end of learning and training. And I think that for a lot of people, that is a bummer in some ways but at the same time it's just like how can we normalize the learning and how can we normalize that we're all in this together basically at the same time and I think that kind of coming back to like um when I've trained people it's kind of like the promise to them that like there will be there will be a time where you're no longer anxious ahead of a call like there will be a time when you're going to feel more confident around this and you don't have to prepare with like a page of notes ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Like do, you know, we can talk about what's going to help you to feel comfortable now, but trust me, like there will be a time and we'll get there. Mm-hmm. And I remember for people when they hit that and then they can go live with anybody and mm-hmm. they realize they don't have to be the subject matter expert. They don't have to know every single thing. Like they can be in the in the in-between and in the dance mm-hmm. and in the gray there, then mm-hmm. that's liberating. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. You don't have to know everything. I can mm-hmm. just like hold the space and flow. Mm-hmm. Liberating and, yet- and empowering and transformative. And it changes. And then because, because you're liberated, then that actually changes the whole field, the whole quality of the coaching space, just because we are now showing up more, you know, more liberated, right? Showing up. I mean, how many times, you know, working remotely, did I go like literally from just doing dishes to, you know, and then like, bam, with a clean, you know, with a client. And it's like, I, I just can shift and I can drop in right there. And I, I'm completely ready for whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. that didn't happen. Well, there's a creativity. (laughs) Well, there's a, there's a collective creativity in the partnership that can happen when we enter from that place of being free to experience whatever shows up. Mm. Right. For sure. And that's where I think with like the, the not thinking ahead or not being too far ahead in your conversation is helpful. Cause I know that, um, 
and I know that sometimes when I've wanted to, I've like mentored people who did the training program that I did when they were still in it. And I think sometimes with coaching, cause it is everything and nothing at the same time, people are worried if they've learned enough, like they want to know enough and they want to feel confident just in what they're getting. But there's also the doubting at the same time of like, is this enough? Or like, is this, mm. do I really know what I'm doing? And sometimes I've seen that a lot of people want to hear other people coach so that mm. they can figure, you know, like it's great to hear yourselves like we're saying, but it's also can be so helpful when you're really green to hear other people mm-hmm. and to hear what that's like and how something gets slotted in. And I think that um, what tends to be most surprising for people when they're listening is how much questions aren't being asked, right? Mm-hmm. But the conversation evolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think that that's part of it with feeling comfortable in the dance is, is also that confidence is you know that your job isn't to ask questions it's to facilitate progress and that can happen in many many ways so many ways it can happen in silence it can Mm -hmm. happen in just mirroring and reflection it can happen in so many ways and I think that's really powerful I was also thinking as you were saying that that when we when we reach that point where we really can settle into feeling like we have enough knowledge like to be able to do our job well and I I think it's helpful to always hold a dose of humility and grace coming alongside all the time because no matter how much we know and no matter how long we've done this it's it's so evident that it is it continues to evolve and we're going to get we're going to get surprised and we're going to find ourselves, um, you know, having to really find our own voice, even in any given moment, right. Or to recalibrate in any given moment, right. To kind of find like, whoa, that didn't go, (laughs) that didn't go the way that I anticipated. Um, And that's, I think that's part of, how I interpret the command of the space, Megan, is to really kind of hold that, um, that I am in a directive way holding the space. And yet that does not mean that I always know exactly where it's gonna go. I mean, part of that is just opening to the unfolding, Mm -hmm. right? That that doesn't mean like I have these questions and these questions are so pointed that I can guarantee a particular outcome because I've asked a strategic question. It's more like, yeah, no, questions are certainly not the only uh, and most effective way to get there. It's, It's really an unfolding process. And I think it really requires grace and humility because mm-hmm. we're going to get knocked on our own bottoms and we're going to get <laughs> our own egos bruised and we're going to realize over and over that it's not about us and, and it's not about doing it right. Um, and, you know, it's all those things. 
Hi all, it's Megan again. We hope that you enjoy the first half of this conversation about finding your coaching voice. The second half will be coming next week. And please let us know your thoughts and feedback and how you're finding these conversations so far. You can find the links to all of our accounts in the episode notes. So our Instagram, the LinkedIn, the All Coach Slack, and also our website. We're really looking forward to opening the doors and having folks join in. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you.